So I want you to make one small tweak to what you said. You said, I'm going to be a billionaire. It's coming, right? What would it take for you to believe that it's here and you've just got to let it in? Because I use the word money block for a reason. Because I candidly believe that every single person is a millionaire, that there's millions of dollars just floating around all around you. But we do things to keep it from coming in. You dedicated your life. You accumulated the loans and the letters. You're saving lives. Time to save your own. You know you're already successful, but you want more. You want your time back. You want financial freedom and the ability to do what you love from anywhere. This is just for you. Come inside the Flip the Prescription podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kylie. We start in three, two, one. Okay, share us with us a couple of stories that you've seen in your workforce endeavors of transformations. And then we'll get into the whole five, six, seven, eight figures. Because I'm curious to what you see. Absolutely. Now, when you say transformations, do you mean about their business or about their money mindset? Because I know you want to be all the above. Okay. So one of the early clients that I had, I actually was asked by a friend to work with an entrepreneur who had successfully sold a company in the financial industry and done very well selling it, but had another company that he had started for his family that was losing half a million dollars a year. And he was funding that personally. So on one side, you've got this money coming in from the sale of the successful company. And on the other, you're just bleeding money out. And so I said, absolutely, I can help. It was interesting because the company was in the trucking industry and the friend happened to ask, do you know anything about trucking? And I said, well, no, but how hard could it be? Because all companies are are basically suffering from the same issues and, and what have you. So within six months, we turned that trucking company around and got it profitable. And then within another 18 months, found a strategic buyer and he was able to sell it for almost eight figures, which was great because at this point, he just wanted eight figures from half a million in debt every single year to eight figures. Mm -hmm. Holy smokes, you know yourself. Well, what was interesting, so it's funny that you say that, is the assets were old, the company had just become profitable, and it wasn't a sale that just anybody would want. But one of the things that I do just as a principle of the generosity culture, which is to pour into your people, your clients and your community is to find a way to service the clients even better in doing that and just offering more than what they were even expecting from them. We were able to make those contracts more valuable. And interestingly, that was a client that a bigger trucking company wanted. But that client wasn't taking on new vendors. So the only way they could get that client was to purchase someone who already had a relationship. So going and doing the right things for the people they were serving, ultimately, you know, got them that multiple seven figure deal. That's cool. So that's one story. What's interesting is money mindset played into that one too, because in that particular example, the, the founder had, everyone has limiting beliefs about money. He could make a lot of money. His limiting belief was someone is going to take it away from me because that had always been his experience. He okay, that's my husband too. Right? So you, you can have these money caps where no matter how much money you bring in, you keep ending up at the same place, right? So you'll need a new roof or someone will have an emergency and somehow your balance on, you know, 
your savings account or however you're keeping track ends up being the same because you have a cat that tells you, I can't get past this place. And that was very true for this individual. And we really had to work on, okay, where did that come from? Because you keep manifesting it. It keeps happening. You had a couple wives take a bunch of money. You had this business take a bunch of money. So what do we need to face and understand in order to get past this? And for different people, it can be different things. Some people think if they make a certain amount of money, they'll be alone that no one will want to be around them because the more that you elevate in your business and your finances, there are people who now they're not as comfortable around you and really doesn't have anything to do with you. It has to do with how they feel about themselves. But there are people that feel like, okay, if I have too much money, then I'll be alone. There are other people who, because of their religious background, think that money is evil. And if I have too much money, I'm not a good person. And what's interesting is money isn't it, it money is pretty much neutral it's an amplifier if you're a good person then you can do so many more good things if you're an absolute ass well now you're going to be magnified <laughs> because you're going to have money and and the resources to do more jerky things so whatever those different limiting beliefs are for the individual and i encounter this so much with entrepreneurs everything in their business with minor tweaks says they should have a ton of money, but they are making decisions to keep that money cap in place because while they may not like it, it's comfortable and it's what they know. When my, my husband works in the construction industry and he has said to me millions of times, if people know that you have money, they want to take it from you. And the reason why is because it, with the Hispanic culture that are the tradesmen's doing all the work, even though the business owners are, you know, it's, it's just a mess. It's a, it's a cultural thing. And he's had guys who work for him and guys who work for the company he's working for take trucks, take tools, take material, um, say thing, say that they should like make more money, whatever it is. So it's this paradigm in his head that, that I had to completely change in, in my own head. Because we're again at, now that you say like we hit that plateau and he'll say to me, well, I just need you to make 150,000 bucks a year. Like, no, screw that. That is not my limit. And if you put that limit on me, I'm going to prove to you that you're wrong for one, because that's who I am. And two is I don't have a cap on my business. The way I've designed it is on, is for that reason on purpose. And then he also has the idea that you know, you don't want to pay taxes. See, but the, the thing is, is that the more money you have, it, generally the less taxes you have to pay because you can then afford a tax strategist. And there are so many things. I will tell you. So the first time I ever made over seven figures, I paid $250,000 in taxes, right? Because I had a CPA. I did not have a tax strategist. And there were all these different things that I could have done to lessen my tax burden that I just didn't know about because at that point in my life, I didn't know a lot of people who were at a higher level of earning. And it's funny because the things that people fear, there's always a really good reason that they fear them. And if you go back, there's always going to be some watershed event when they were younger that gave them this belief. And then, you know, whatever it is that you believe, you will make happen. No matter what, you will 
consciously and unconsciously go towards that and keep repeating it, which reinforces that belief. So I understand what he's thinking, but forgive me for- How do I change it, April? Because it drives me crazy. Well, so one of the things that would be awesome is to talk to a tax strategist and talk about all ways that are completely legal that help you keep more of your money. Because it's not just about what you make, it's about what you keep, right? And what you're able to use to do the things that you care about. But one of the first things is just for him to have an interest in learning how he can change it. Because, and it, if I knew him better, I could give an analogy, but there is something else in his life where he had a limiting belief that he blew past to do something he wanted to do, whether it was athletics or it was going somewhere or traveling or what have you. There are other things in his life where he decided that doesn't have to be true for me. And the moment he decided it, it started to shift and change and money can be exactly the same way. So he does a lot of he has a lot of what I would say big T trauma in his life. Mm-hmm. So he does a lot of healing in regards to that. We've kind of separated like, okay, you go heal that stuff and I will go heal the money stuff. Because money so, ran, runs rampant in both of us. So it's it's just getting him to want to see that there's another way. Yeah, absolutely. That's the story he tells himself right now. We can tell him a different story and and maybe it's, you know, just me as I've been doing, being that example that, you know, you don't have to work hard to make money. You, you, I make money when we are on vacation. And it's like, one of my goals is to have money coming in at such a fast rate that we, he can take summers off because I like having a light summer. He's a construction guy, which is summer season in Utah. Right. And it's like, no, we, we got to find, we got to find some balance here. Well, no, we do think- have a very genius tax strategist and we do have an accountant too, but they're very different. They have very separate roles. They're so different. And, and if you don't yeah. know the difference, find one because mm-hmm. I didn't used to know the difference. And I'm so glad that, that I learned that lesson, but I love what you're doing. I will share one other thought with you, which is absolutely. And if you can find stories of people who are similar to him, right? They're in a similar industry. They have grown up a similar way who have made changes and then experienced how great that can be on the other side. That can be helpful because sometimes it only takes us seeing someone who's similar to us doing it to realize that we can do it too. And when you say that, you know, he's doing this one thing and I'm doing the money thing. What I found when you partner with people, whether it is, you know, your actual other half, your life partner, your spouse, or even people you partner with in business, they either amplify the way you make money or they dilute it. So if you're on the same page, you can together, it's almost like springboard on each other and you're actually even more aligned and it's even easier. But when you're either going against each other, or maybe someone sometimes you see this a lot of times, one person is more risk tolerant and the other person is kind of dragging their feet. Like this is not going to go well. That slows the other person down. So you being the example, like you are, is probably the best thing you can do because people don't like to be told they need to change. And they don't like to be told that they might be why things are going more slowly, but 
they see the actions that you're taking and what's happening. And over time, that can often help them change. The easiest, the best way to describe this is, you know, he wants to experience growth one step at a time. Mm -hmm. And I want to experience growth like this. (laughs) Right. Where it's like, I can go from a seven figure to like multiple seven figures like this kind of thing. Yeah. And he's like, no, you got to go one step at a time and learn everything. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't have to follow those rules. Right. So this is me like plowing through because it's me and it's who I am. Yeah, 100%. And people tend to write opposites attract. And you always have someone who has a lot more tolerance of risk and someone who doesn't have as much tolerance for risk. Not always, but very often, right? And it's just finding, like you said, that balance so that you get to a place where you are moving quickly enough that you don't feel stifled. And what is it that would give him that safe space? And I'm randomly just guessing. I think that as you grow, if you then saved chunks of money to the side, because he's convinced that someone's going to come take it. But if he knows it's there so that you're not worried about it, if that happens, that might maybe have him ease up on the brakes a little bit. Maybe him sticking, because he's always carrying cash too. Why would that not help? He's always carrying cash on him. Mm-hmm. But uh, but again, it's the he's going to save the cash for his trip, you know, because he's he's setting the money aside for the trip. Where I'm like, we're going to have forty forty thousand dollars. I can create that in my sleep, basically. Right. But that idea that you know I've got to save in order to go do a special thing. But if we just stick it in his, in his, the cash in his wallet and just always there, where he's safe with it, you can use it. Doesn't matter. If he's supposed to be saving it or not, it's it's always going to be there. Just shifting that and having him feel safe because, you know, I am the risk taker and he has seen me, you know, in March when I saw you, I had just lost $165,000 and that was more than, you know, he's ever made it in his life in multiple years combined kind of stuff. Right. So, but me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the risk knowing that I I will always bet on myself and I will bet on myself getting out of it too. So I guess we'll just, we'll just plow through and lead the way and keep making a few shifts here and there. But as far as people listening in and, and especially when they're talking about spouses, like I'm glad that we actually got in that conversation because people see me and they don't realize that, yeah, I'm plowing through and I'm making the best steps I'm making and doing the things I'm doing, but I've got him there too, that I'm just kind of, dragging along sometimes mm-hmm. and I need to drag him and that's okay. But at the other, in another instance, like he's doing what he needs to do as well. It's just, I have a, I have a different business model. His business model is project based His he lives in a construction industry where you either make money on a project or you don't. Right. I live in an industry where, and this has been a lot of battles with us because I don't do money the way he does money. I don't run a business the way he runs a business. So, you know, I have to spend the money on the ads as a risk and then hope that that is going to come back as an ROI later. So it's just a very different thing where I'm used to it now and he's not. So you know, what we have made tremendous strides in the last two years. So at the rate we're going, we'll just keep instead of little steps, which I'm not okay with, we'll take multiple leaps and we'll get there. Well, and I think this is great for your listeners because they may have thought, oh, well, Kylie must have tons of support. Like her spouse must be completely on board with what she's doing. I can't do this because my spouse wouldn't be 
right? So it could be super helpful for people to hear, no, they're not always on board. Here's how I handle it. There are creative ways for you to handle it too. Yeah. What have you seen? How do, how do spouses, I'm sure you've worked with many. Yeah, a ton. So I tend to work with the risk taker normally, right? They're the ones who are like, I want to get things bigger and I want to do this and I want to do that. And I'm willing to do the hard work to make that happen. What we do is find those those safe space things, right? Because what I know is whether you're talking about a, a husband, a wife, a partner, whatever, if things aren't good at home, then everything I do in the business doesn't necessarily matter right? So those things have to be copacetic. So it is, what would make you feel safe? What would make this comfortable for you? And to the extent that you can support and help that for the other person, what's interesting is when they get the thing that they think will make them feel safe, it doesn't always make them feel safe, but it does make them more willing to like bare, bare knuckle it, right? And just go, okay, I think I can do this. This worked out last time. So for me, it's finding that thing for your other half that will make them feel more comfortable. And candidly, for some of my business owners, it's our finances are completely separate and we both contribute X percent to our lifestyle. So they, it's almost like they're riding the roller coaster, but they have their eyes closed. So they, they get the benefits, right? They feel the wind. It's fast. It's exciting, but they don't have to see the drops and the going up so high. That is us. <laughs> that is, uh, that's why I'm smiling. Like we're not completely separate, but I will tell you as a, as an individual who's a risk taker and like wanting to provide that financial freedom for not only my family, but my extended family. Um, there are times where I just keep my mouth shut about numbers and my business account is there. His mm -hmm. business account is there. Our personal account, we both dump money into it. And as long as there's money in the personal account to do our lifestyle things, and that's great. I don't know what's in his business bank account. He doesn't know what's in mine. And, and we've had to learn that because there was one point where he was so, I mean, not one point, multiple times. He was so mad at me because I couldn't provide him the numbers that he wanted to see. Now, granted, I am not the best person with numbers. I have an accountant for a reason. Right. Um, I just know that I know what my business, my credit card is at, and I know what my bank account is at right now. That's, that's what matters to me. Right. He is very much in the details. So I'm like, one, you gotta, you gotta trust me because even though it's money that's not done your way, doesn't mean it's the wrong way. Right. It's the way that I feel safe with it and I want to do the money thing. Then, yeah, we both have our salaries. So we both dump it, some in the pot. And then we're actually like purchasing a uh, asset right now. Um, and we're both communicating like, okay, how much money can you dump in? How much money can he dump in? And make sure we got the bill covered for it all. And, and it's worked out really well. But we had to get to that point where it was like, Andrew, I don't know anything about your business. Like if you want to, if you need a trailer, then go buy a trailer coming to me right. and trying to explain how you need it. Like, I don't care. <laughs> Just go buy the dang thing. And then yesterday we were talking about, I really want a billboard you know, for marketing. Okay. So I've got my back end set up. Like we've, I've got a killer team. I've got a killer back end. Now it's like, how much can I do in the marketing world? I'm going to push the limits. And, and for me in 2023, I probably did 50,000 ish total in ad spend. 
uh-huh. in 2024, I want to do 50,000 a month. Oh, and that, that is a living daylights out of me. But it's like, I want to not just take that little step. I want to take the leap into mm-hmm. that next level. And so I was sharing him with him what the cost of billboards were. Cause like you said, with dumping all your, uh, pots in the same oven with right. the Avon and all of a sudden it's gone. Um, I've only done the Facebook ads and, and people will say, you know, your Facebook ad can get shut down. It can get hacked. It, I mean, there's a lot of different things that can happen. So I'm kind of starting to spread out now, mm-hmm. but I want a billboard in the Utah because I think it's credibility authority and heck, I just want one. Okay. <laughs> so I figured out the, prices of them. I reached out to a couple of companies and mm-hmm. I was actually surprised at how cheap they were. That's awesome. And I go to tell him about, I mean, you know, I'm excited because it's only 4,000 a month or even 950 bucks a month in some locations in Utah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, geez, that's ridiculous. That, I mean, I could spend that in a day in Facebook ads. You're going to give me that a whole month in a billboard. So, but then his, his immediate reply was, well, don't you want to keep the money? Because look what we're doing with it with our, we're purchasing some land. And I'm like, yeah, but if I spend it, I'm going to make more. Right. Now, my first question is, do you know the, do you have the demographics on the audiences who go buy that billboard? That's what I want to know. Yeah. And I'm going to send the billboard to the podcast, Mm -hmm. which nobody can take a podcast away from me. Right. Nobody can shut the billboard down. And since I have a podcast for patients and then a podcast for practitioners, Mm -hmm. I've got both covered and it's going to have both of them on there. That makes sense. So I'm just going to try it. Heck, why not? Because I'm a risk taker, April. (laughs) (laughs) It was just just interesting to see his reaction was like, well, don't you want to keep the money? I'm like, but wait a second. If I spend more and I grow up my audience and I have a bigger audience, my program's I mean, I'm not limited to my program. So why would I not get a bigger audience and have more people in my programs and make more money at the end? But that's not how he saw it. So I wonder how it would work if you took a period of time and instead of taking him ideas that you haven't experienced yet, right, which are scary to him because he doesn't know the outcome, you just took him the wins. So this is what I did. And this is how much I made. So this is what I did. And this is how much I made because what I'm getting, just, idea. I don't ever do that. Yeah. Just from you sharing these little snippets of conversations, he's afraid of what might happen and what he might lose. Right. Yeah. So if you only took him the things that succeeded, he might feel more calm in your judgment. Now I'm not saying don't share with him the things that don't succeed, but he's already not risk tolerant. So I think if he was only shown what was going well, because at the end of the day, the balance sheet is to the plus side. It would be really interesting to see if over time that gave him a level of comfort. Yeah. I'll start trying that. It'd be interesting to see. Okay. All right. Business, business and spouses and all the things today. Um, give us just a few pointers on what do you see in the difference between someone who's making six, particularly six and seven figures? Cause that's probably the biggest audience listening to this. Sure. And someone who's made a good six figure income, but I can't just for some reason break into that seven figure mark. 
Sure. So there's two sides of this that I would look at. The first side of it is just the business side, just to make sure that you've got your your I's dotted and your T's crossed. Because if you're going from six figures to seven figures, there are going to need to be some systems and some processes in place that you may have got away with not having when you're just a six-figure business, right? Because you can bend yourself like a pretzel and work way too many hours and make the processes that don't exist work when you're at six figures. When you're going up to seven figures, you're going to have to automate things. You're going to have to have a team member or two that you can really rely on that you can actually delegate things to. So in your business, those are the things that you're looking for. Where can I automate? Where can I have a process that anyone could pick up and do and get myself out of the day-to-day so that strategically I'm planning how we continue to grow, right? But then from a mindset perspective, to go from six figures to seven figures, first of all, I want you to ask yourself if you can remember when you were younger, how much money did you think you were going to make when you grew up? And if you never thought about that or talked about that, I want you to think about the kind of careers that you thought you would have, because that's going to give you an idea of your baseline of where you think you could earn. Because when you're a kid, you don't have the same kinds of additional limiting factors that we get as we grow up from other people sharing their opinions and what we see in the world and the economy and all of that. That'll show you your baseline. If your baseline isn't already over what you would need to be, what you would have if you were taking home seven figures, then you know you have to address your mindset. You know that you have a limiting belief around money. And it's asking yourself those questions. So if I did this, what would happen, good and bad, writing those things down? Because you're going to be able to then tap into what may be limiting you from going to that seven figures because you're worried about what will happen if you're there. We talked a little bit about it before, about maybe you're a bad person if you have too much money, or maybe you're lonely because you're going to lose some of your friends because they think you're going to put on airs or be too bougie or any of those things. Or maybe you think having a lot of money is a problem because then everyone is asking you for things. And then that's the area that people address. And really, the difference between people who are earning seven figures and six figures, it is no harder to earn seven figures than six figures. You are really repeating. I think it's easier. Right? You're repeating what you did already. But what you're doing is removing whatever those blockers are whether they're issues that you have in your business with your process or they're issues that you have with the way that you're thinking and feeling about the money itself. Now that you say that growing up as a kid, you know, I don't really remember much specifically, but I would imagine, I never imagined myself making over $150,000 a year. So that was your first. That's where I've been plateaued at. As far as like my actual take home. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So do you see how revealing that is? Because so that is, that is your starting point. So now what you want to dig into is where did that come from? Right. And you'll have certain beliefs around it. And what you need to ask yourself is, do I still believe this? And then why? And in a lot of cases, it can help to do this with someone else that you know that maybe is at a different financial place because they can help you not only objectively see where you are, but also debunk some of the beliefs that you may think are 100% correct, but they're just beliefs you've always had 
and you need someone else to say, well, no, that doesn't have to be true for you because of A, B, and C. Yeah, like I'd never pictured myself as a millionaire. I never thought about any, but now as like an adult and knowing my potential, like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's coming. Just a right. matter of when. Mm-hmm. But as a kid, that never crossed my mind. It never even crossed my mind. I was not an entrepreneur at six years old. I will tell you that. I was a rule abiding citizen that never broke a dang rule in her in her career until she probably turned 23 and got into chiropractic school and said, I am not attending classes all the time. Like you guys <laughs> but yeah that see that childhood frame so just going back and reworking the story and making sure my Mm -hmm. subconscious doesn't believe it because I feel like I've done it but now that I say that I'm like wait a second I'm at the end of the year and here's my take home and that's the number so I want you to make one small tweak to what you said you said I'm gonna be a millionaire it's coming right what would it take for you to believe that it's here and you've just got to let it in? Because I use the word money block for, re- for a reason, because I candidly believe that every single person is a millionaire, that there's millions of dollars just floating around all around you. But we do things to keep it from coming in. So what if it's already here and all you're looking for is that belief that you've got to change and allow yourself to believe that it is here and then it will start coming in. Just like you said, all those easy ways. And when we talk about that and people say, well, you have to work. Well, sure. But it's stuff like your dream client calls you and says, hey, can you do a one day workshop? Our budget is this. I'll actually use an example of one of my clients, a keynote speaker who, when they first started working with me, they were charging between two and $15,000 for a speaking event. And when we got done, they got a phone call from an agency that was doing certain types of speaking events that they would be perfect for. And they didn't even ask what it paid. And they sent over the contract and it was $50,000, right? So you remove those limiters and then that money can just come in. So I want you to reframe the way you're saying it, Kylie, and just say, it's here. I have to let it in. Yeah. I mean, it's here in my business, but I want to feel like it's here. Mm-hmm. Like it's for me at the end of the year. It's my take home. I get to go to my financial advisor, my tax, what do we call him? Tax, tax strategist, tax strategist, which is what he is. And he has to say to me like, damn girl, <laughs> let's, let's plan this. You know, we're right. already planning, planning it. So yeah. Because I wanted to hit that number in my business. I've hit it. Now it's like, okay, I want to hit it in my personal life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the same with, like, like I've been across the world multiple times. I've been to Japan. I've been to Africa. I've seen third world country firsthand. So me, it's like, I'm happily, I'm happy to pay taxes. Oh, heck yeah. Absolutely. Out of America. My husband, on the other hand. How much little of taxes can we pay? So we put, he puts that limit of us, which together we hit the limit. 360,000 was that tax break number. Mm -hmm. We hit it this year. We hit literally 372,000 between him and I. And it was that limit that we put on ourselves that, you know, we, you, whatever you believe will come to pass. And that's what came to pass. But if you're much higher than that, there are things that you could do with your money 
that would keep you from paying excess taxes, like the land, for example. You could start uh, your own IRAs that you invest with a company, a good company that will manage them for you is a company called Equity Trust. You can start an IRA and put the money in it every year and then buy property with that IRA as long as you're not living in it and going to it, right? So there are ways, and then that IRA, that takes away from your taxable income, but you're using it to grow more money that you'll be able to have when you retire. Or if you put it, I think it's the Roth IRA, right? Where it grows and there's, there's no excess tax on it. So it doesn't mess with, it doesn't take away from your tax burden now, but it, it can grow interest and it can get increased value and you're never paying tax on that. So there are so many ways to not feel like it has to be that particular number cap. But on the flip side, pretty impressive that his ability to manifest that is so strong that he comes you guys there. So if you get him on the, on your page with you, it's going to be a knock. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. Okay. The difference between six and seven figure earners because I, I mean, I'm a seven-figure seven business, six-figure like personal income. I want to be at the seven-figure personal thing. I want my all my team members to be higher than they are. Like this isn't just me wanting for me. This is me wanting for my family, my extended family, everybody who's in my world, everybody who I can help. Like I'm, my programs are so good that it's like I'm. What's your programs now? I'm I'm individuals, I think they're amazing, and they are so worth the money. I think you could charge even more for them than you do because of the value that they are hundred percent. Yeah. So now it's like, I put the responsibility on me where I need to have a bigger audience. People like I am doing a disservice if somebody doesn't know who I am and not entering my world because right. I know that I can change their world. Absolutely. And the same thing with you. And so when, when we're talking about sales here, you come at it from that approach, like you're unstoppable. You're 100%. not coming at it from, I need the money. It's coming at it from like, no, you need me. You need what I have. I had that secret key. And when you shift that in your mindset, as you're listening to this like, and you take on your next call or you go to your next live zoom workshop, as I teach you guys. And, and you're like, how the heck does she get money coming in before the, her zoom calls even over? Like that's how, cause I'm, one, it's some tactics, but two, it's, I, I expect it to come. And the expectation is powerful and knowing how much you can help others and that it will be even more valuable to them than the money that they're giving you for what you're giving them is huge. Yeah. Okay, guys, if I can do it, so can you. If April can do it, so can you. And we've helped many others do it too. April, where can they learn more about you? Uh, my website is drivenoutcomes.com. Drivenoutcomes.com. You said in the very beginning you had a book. What was that book called? I do. Uh, my book is called Magic Blue Rocks, The Secret to Doing Anything. Okay. On Amazon? It is. Mm -hmm. Okay. Magic Blue Rocks, The Secret to Doing Anything at six years old. My son <laughs> would easily do that too. I mean, if I were to give him the idea, he would go do it tomorrow. And he'd probably okay. execute it way better. But I think the school lunch is no longer 75 cents. I think it's like a 270. So he might have so to charge get more. way more for the rocks. I think this is great, Kylie. <laughs> You're awesome, April. When we run into each other again next time, 
whatever that is, wherever it is. I always love you. So oh, you changed same. my life that one day, that one sentence you came up to me and you're like, girl, you're just living your TEDx story. And I've held on to that so tight. And one time I will share that story on TEDx. The story is not over yet though. So. Oh yeah, you will. And this will be why people want to learn from you because you've been through the hard stuff too. And that is remarkable and impactful. Thank you. And thanks for coming and sharing with your knowledge today too. So go enjoy your Palm Beach in Florida and I will go hit the slopes and the mountains. <laughs> Have a good one. You too. See ya. February. It's going to be a big month. For those of you who have never attended my free CBC intensive, it's happening again on February 15th. This is your personal invitation. So sign up, register. It's free. It's live. It's the most favorite thing practitioners love because I'm going to teach you what's included or what's hidden inside the CBC. Five golden markers that will change everything about your patient care. That is happening again on February 15th. Register at drkyleeburton.com slash CBC intensive. Now also happening in February, the doors are opening to our 90 day functional blood work specialist program. This is our signature program for all of us colleagues, practitioners, clinicians of all backgrounds, where I'll be teaching you all of the blood work and uh, giving you the biggest business tips that are crucial to having a successful virtual platform. You can get all the details and join us before February 29th when doors close as we will begin live together in March at drkyleeburton.com slash 90. All right, y'all. Those are two incredible things happening. Jump on the free workshop if you could join us live. Awesome. If not, register anyway so you get the replay. And then if you're feeling called to that 90-day program, it is huge. Come join us, drkyleeburton.com slash 90. And I'll see you on the inside.